Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, a pleasant good morning to you. A beautiful Wednesday morning here in Greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We're in Hamilton, our Chatterbox Sports Studios. And we welcome you, as always, to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a to noon Eastern time. Many of you already on by the thousands. On YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports, we stream live as well every day. On Facebook, Chatterbox Sports page. And you can find us in podcast form. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Look, you got to give the Reds offense some credit. Everybody said they wouldn't score this year, including me. But they continue to battle. Last night, they bang out eight hits. They draw five walks. A couple of guys hit by pitches to put the pressure on Atlanta. But the Reds couldn't deliver the knockout blow. They had a chance to just kick the door in very early in the game and couldn't do it. They went two for 11 with runners in scoring position in a 7-6 loss. Starter Luis Sessa couldn't get through four innings and twice gave up leads that the offense gave him. Spencer Steer, he's off to a nice start. Had three hits last night, drove in two. Jose Barrero is starting to show some signs now. A lot of you have been down on him. Starting to show some signs. Hit a big three-run home run to make it a one-run game late. But that's where it ended. One run short. And the Reds will try and avoid getting swept in the series in Atlanta. Series finale later tonight. Hunter Green will make his third start. He better be better tonight. He better be better tonight. He'll be opposed by Spencer Strider of Atlanta. First pitch, 720. Reds are now three and a half games back of division-leading Milwaukee after the Brewers beat the Western division-leading Arizona Diamondbacks in Phoenix last night, 7-1. Milwaukee is 8-3 on the year. Ho-hum! Tampa Bay Rays. They win again. They're now 11-0 to start the season. That is two games shy of tying the major league record held by the 82 Braves and the 87 Brewers for most wins to start a season. The Rays beat Boston 7-2 last night. Them giving up two runs is a story in and of itself. The Rays had not allowed a run in the last three games before last night. All right, elsewhere, Ryan Mountcastle. Are you big Orioles? Oh, you're a Nats guy, Paul Pritchard. Oh, I but I, I follow him. We're, when I was, like I said yesterday, when, you know, working in the system, a lot of these guys were guys that were in Double A with me when I was broadcasting there a couple of years ago. So I enjoy watching the Orioles games and seeing how these guys are doing that have, have come up since then. So uh, Mountcastle was not there when I was there, but uh, I mean, he's obviously a, a big part of this team, and he had. Nine RBIs last night. Nine. That ties a major league record. Baltimore beat Oakland 12 to 8. By the way, Paulie, Casey, good morning, men. How are we looking? We're looking really good, Tom. Look at Paul looking breaking really out the, 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 the polo today. Yeah. No, he's he's big league in it. Did you pay for that shirt? Tell, I did not. Tell the truth. Uh, I did not. Honest man, I love I it. I did not. Freebie? Christmas present. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Not All a right. freebie. Very nice. And I don't That's a big league. Chatterbox sweatshirt you're sporting there. Hoodie. Yeah. Still a little chilly in the mornings. Yeah, I mean, I got I got my sweats on, though. I mean, I, I feel totally outclassed by Big League Paul here. Yeah, yeah. 
I Big need, League uh, Paul. That is his yeah. new nickname in the chat. You know, I need to break out. I don't know if anyone else does this. I need to break out all my summer stuff. I have yet to do that. Yeah, so I, I did that. That's that's kind of why I'm wearing this and the and the shorts. I made that transition the other day. I, gotta, I committed to it. I get in there and do that. No freebies, Tom. I don't take handouts. I do. <laughs> the old adage that I learned from my dad, who will be coming up here shortly. If it's free, it's for me, and I'll have three. True. <laughs> right? Right. Why not? Is that a free sweatshirt, Chatterbox? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I guess it is. Okay. All right. Uh, Luis Arias became the first Marlins player ever to hit for the cycle. That franchise started, what was that, in uh, 1993, I, I believe it was. 93 or 94, yeah. 93. Yeah. I think. Uh, he went four for five in an 8-4 win over Philadelphia. NBA playoffs kicked off last night. Seven versus eight play-in games. Out west, boys, and we're going to talk about the Western Conference matchups. Watch out for the Lakers. Watch out. They remade that roster. We'll talk about this later. They needed overtime to hold off Minnesota last night, 108-102. LeBron, 38 years old. And this guy, he's only played in 54 games, but he has had an incredible year. I mean, he, he never slows. He never has a bad night. 30 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. The Lakers will square off with the number two seed Memphis Grizzlies in the opening round. In the East, Atlanta rolls all over Miami. Paul, I think you were two for two last night. No, I was one for two. Oh, I, had, I had Miami. Uh, oh, well, actually on this show... I did. I think I picked. Uh, oh, so remember. you're covering your tail. I don't remember between what... this show and not two. No, pick. no, oh, I don't remember. That's oh. what you're, you're doing right. here. I don't remember. No, because I picked. I picked Atlanta. I picked both the favorites to win, but I picked one of the underdogs to cover. And I don't you remember. picked uh, the Timberwolves to cover. So that's why I oh. say I think you. Oh, were then two yeah. And yeah. Okay. I think you were. I think you were two and zero. Oh. Uh, no, no, no. Trey was... Young, good player. Yeah. yeah. Good player. Yeah. yeah. He nearly had a triple-double. 25 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. The Hawks will face the two-seed Boston Celtics in the opening round. Now, tonight there are two more play-in games, and we talked about it yesterday. You have the Bulls in Toronto, Oklahoma City in New Orleans. The winner of those games, of the games tonight, will play the losers of last night's game to determine the final playoff spot in each conference. So coming up here momentarily, it'll be Marty Brenneman, the Hall of Famer, talk more about the Reds. Paul Doherty promises to be ready to roll today. Mm. He's starting to fall into that Zim Hude trap. Mm. Am I right or wrong? Mm. I don't think you're wrong. So he must be right. <laughs> <laughs> if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. One of the great tunes of all time going way way back you guys i mean that was that was 30 years before either one of you were born yeah great tune that uh that lakers game last night I mean, we can talk about it more because marty's in here right now we'll he is about, talk about it more after but that lakers game was disgusting last night we'll, we'll get into yeah. it later it was you know look marty brenneman has seen some of the all-time great basketball players dad good morning nice to have good you morning tom good morning paul good morning casey Hello, Marty. Hello, Marty. You have seen some of the all-time greats uh, all the years you were broadcasting in the ABA and the likes of uh, Julius Irving and George Gervin and Dan Issel and on and on and on and on. LeBron James, look, people can disagree with his politics and whatever it might be, okay? But this guy, 
I know it's easy to say, and I know you're going to say it, that Michael Jordan's the greatest player of all time. He has six rings. But LeBron James seems like, Dad, this guy never has a bad night. I mean, for 15 years. I, I don't disagree with that at all. And to be honest with you, more and more, um, I'm willing to open up my mind to the discussion concerning who's the greatest pro player of all time. I never said Michael Jordan was the greatest player of all time. I say he's the greatest player in NBA history because he sure as heck wasn't the greatest player in college basketball. That's because Dean was the best defender of anybody Michael ever faced and holding him under 30 points. Um, I, I would, I'm more readily willing to open up my mind now to the discussion of which one is the greatest player in the NBA history. Uh, the guy just keeps on doing it game after game after game and uh, big games. He's a big player, but so was Michael. Um, and, and you can you can argue any way you want to, and you can make an argument for both players. Uh, you know, you can say, well, Jordan made uh, more all NBA defensive teams than than uh, than LeBron has made, and so that alone makes him a better all around player than LeBron James. You know, the argument goes on and on and on, and and I I don't I don't know where it will ever end. It probably it will never end. Even the, here we are talking about Michael Jordan. He's been gone for God knows how long. And, and you can uh, apply that same situation to the day that LeBron James retires from the game. The conversation will go on ad nauseum. I mean, the guy is just amazing to watch. If, if this was the first time he'd really been nicked up and, and missed a lot of games over the course of the year. But, but, but golly day, he, he, physically, he's just amazing to watch. And so the NBA playoffs, are, are you going to watch much of the NBA playoffs or no? I could care less about the NBA playoffs. <laughs> I could absolutely care less about it. Um, I have not been a big fan of professional basketball for a long time. Um, I enjoy watching Steph Curry play. When Golden State is on, I might check in periodically to see how he's doing. Um, I think he's the greatest shooter in the history of the game. Um, but I don't, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention. If I do, it'll be the final series because I think that's when they really bust their ass for the entire time they're in the game to play. There, there's a lot of laying back and, and pacing themselves in that game. And uh, I think it's more evident in basketball than it is in any other sport. But I will probably pay attention to the finals. But the beginning of it, nah, I could care less. Okay. All right, let's shift gears to the Red Legs. Um, that's a good idea. They have won one game on this road trip. And look, they knew they were going to have their hands full. Philadelphia uh, is not anywhere close to being at full strength with Harper out. Hoskins is out for the year. Their bullpen's a disaster, almost as bad as a Reds bullpen uh, to start the year anyway. Uh, but they lose two out of three there. Uh, they go to Atlanta. They've been right there. Um, yeah. can, you, can, you, can you take something positive away from the fact that, you know, offensively speaking, this team is competing, and, and I'll be the first to say, and I know it's a small sample size, it's 10 games, whatever it is, um, but I did not think that they would be scoring and hitting the way they have hit so far this year. But can you take solace out of the fact that they're at least competing? Well, I think scoring is a stretch. They've scored 20 runs in five games on this road trip, and 11 of those 20 runs have come from the seventh inning on. Um, 
I think this is a fun team to watch. That is the lineup that they put on the field on a nightly basis. I enjoy watching these kids play because they really play hard. And, 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 uh, but their deficiencies are so glaring that they can take, they can take optimism or exude optimism. And I noted the comments that were uh, in the Cincinnati Enquirer this morning about even though they've lost four or five on the road trip, they can, they can take something from the fact that they've battled their butts off and they've, they've, they've been in games uh, right up until almost the end with one exception. Um, and that's all well and good, but the bottom line is wins and losses. Yeah. And, and, and unless they figure out a way to improve that bullpen, and I don't know that there there is a way uh, unless Lucas Sims comes back and pitches sensationally, and sometime down the road they get they're going to get Luke Weaver back soon. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they. I got a feeling that Weaver may go into the rotation, and Luis Sessa will go to the bullpen. I, that's what I'm thinking. Um, they, they they're hurt. I mean they, they you know they, they they've been in games, but they've lost. Like uh, night before last, they get the lead in the tenth inning, and then mm-hmm. bingo, first pitch home run uh, by Sean Murphy in the bottom of the tenth, and the Braves win by one. And then last night, uh, you know, it, that's got to wear on a team, even though they've only played ten games. That, and I know it wore on te- uh, the team last year. The other part that I, I predicted this was going to happen, and again, it's a it's a sample size. Connor Overton. And Luis Sessa have not gotten the job done in the four and five spot. And what compounds that problem, i got news for you. Hunter Green has been nothing to write home about. No doubt about it. I said that a little while ago. He's made two starts, and they are below average starts. Unbelievable. And when you got to go get a guy after four and a third innings in which he's thrown 93 pitches, he's not helping your club. And I don't give a damn how hard he throws. I'm sick to death about hearing guys that throw 100 miles an hour. There's 3,000 pitchers in the big leagues that throw 100 or close to it. So that's no big deal, I don't think. The gimme of the guy that throws it, that's successful throwing 92 and 93 and moves the ball around and changes speeds and knows how to get big league hitters out. They're the guys that are impressive in this era of Major League Baseball. But getting back to Hunter Green, he's got to start living up to his height. Um, and if he doesn't, then that means you got to rely solely on uh, uh, Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft, who both have been outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't ask for any more from those two guys. But if you believe that the game is about pitching and you start with pitching and go from there, then they better figure out a way to improve things or we're going to see a whole lot more of what we've already seen. Here's a thing that I've never understood. And maybe you have an understanding of it, okay? We all agree. Derek Johnson is an outstanding pitching coach, both from you yes. know uh, the, the mechanics of it to the mental part of it to, to preparation, all that kind of thing. Strategically, how to attack a lineup, individual hitters, blah, blah, blah. But the thing I, I, I've just never understood is, and this is about Hunter Green, we know he throws a fastball, we know he throws a slider. But all the talk in spring training, and even going back to last year, was him starting – to throw his change up more. I could be imprecise on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. His first start of the year on opening day, he did not throw one change up. In his second start of the year, he threw exactly one change up. So 
I just have a hard time understanding what happens because you know that Derek Johnson is saying to him when they're meeting, hey, man, you, you got to start throwing that change up. That could be a good pitch for you, an important pitch for you. But then you never use it. Well, I, I think it uh, – well, he may not use it because he may not have confidence in it yeah. enough to throw. Um, and that that's a that's a personal thing that obviously if, if what we're talking about is accurate, and I think it is because we did hear a lot about a changeup. And, and, you know, I think back to uh, a chance meeting in New York back in the 80s between uh, Joe Nuxall and Nolan Ryan. And, and Joe, Joe – Ryan asked Joe about – uh, Mario Soto's changeup, the circle change, and how he threw it. We're having breakfast with Ryan in the Hilton Hotel coffee shop in New York City, and they're playing the Yankees and the Reds are playing the Mets, and Joe showed him how to throw that pitch. And he went home and he 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 perfected it, and they tell me that the circle change is the easiest changeup there is to throw, uh, and throw well once you work on it long enough, and it doesn't take all that long. Once he adopted uh, added that pitch to his arsenal, all of a sudden things change. And and I think you can apply the same thing to, to Hunter Green. We know how hard he throws. We know he's got a good slider. Let him adopt, let him uh, add to that and, and use it. Uh, obviously, we have to think he's added to the fastball and the slider now, but if he's not using it, he might as well not even have it. Um, I think that certainly time is going to come when They've got to sit down with him and said, son, you've got to throw this pitch. Otherwise, you're going to struggle like the Dickens. Um, you know, I, I, and I still wonder whether or not it's not in his mind, meaning Green's mind. I still want to strike out everybody because I know that everybody's looking for me to throw 103 miles an hour. Uh, and and, and I, I want to impress people by throwing, uh, by striking out people. Well, we know we know the old adage in baseball it takes a minimum of three to get a strikeout. It takes one pitch to make a pitch and get a guy on the first or second pitch to hit a ground ball on the infield or pop it up and hit a routine fly ball to left. I don't know whether this is a problem for him to get over the strikeout thing. Um, but the fact of the matter is something has to change. And again, and we, you do it and I do it and we're both right. It's a small sample size. So we're not going off the deep end. All we know is that among the big three, he has been so-called the weak link. And that has to change in order for this. But still, if that changes, then the big three are intact. That doesn't answer uh, rotation pictures four and five. We were talking about this topic yesterday. And by the way, Hunter Green will get his third start of the year tonight in Atlanta. Um, right. You know, look, they, they, they weren't going to spend any money. They made that very, very clear, they being ownership in the Reds. Uh, they've patched together with, you know, 30-something-year-old guys, journeyman guys that are down there in that bullpen, and that's a decision they made, and okay. So here we are 10 games into the year. Um, you know, you, you start getting into the conversation about, okay, when do you start that clock, all those sorts of things with young pitchers. I just wonder, you know, do you think they would consider, would you consider, um, more accurately, bringing up young guys from the minor leagues. I mean, they can get lit up just as easily as old guys, and there's a good chance that they might be a little bit better because their stuff is a little bit better. Yeah, you know, I think it's too early to do that. Um, and the other part of that is, and I'm not, this is not anything that I preach. 
I think the, oftentimes this is a fallback uh, by Major League Baseball front offices when the subject of a young, promising pitcher comes up who's in your system and somebody says, well, why don't you give him a shot? Oh, we can't do that because if we bring him up now and he gets beat up, it may affect him for all time. That's the biggest bunch of crap I've ever heard. Yep. If you got a kid that has a big reputation and he has pitched reasonably well in your system, if you bring him up and he gets lit up in two or three starts, I can't believe for one second that it's going to mess his career up for all time. He goes back to the minor leagues. He's better equipped to know what he needs to improve upon to get back to the big leagues and be successful. So anytime I hear a general manager or somebody on a club, you know, we, we don't want to do anything, you know, his psyche, we can't afford him come up when we, we're not sure that he's ready yet. I don't, I don't think it's, it's – I think you're pushing a panic button too early by bringing kids up. I think you, you owe the guys that you have right now, for better or for worse, um, a reasonable opportunity – to go out and, and and I'm talking now about you know you're not gonna I don't think you're gonna send the greens down a green down if that comes about then they're really hurt yeah but uh, guys like uh, including Green in this Green and Overton and and Sessa uh, whoever it might be you got to give them an ample opportunity to go out and 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 show that what has happened so far was simply a bad start and maybe maybe that's exactly what it is and they get them they get their act together and they go out and they pitch well. Um, I, I don't think you can pull the trigger uh, yet uh, because you're really pushing a panic button if you just start start to talk now about bringing kids up out of your system and give them a chance to pitch in the big leagues right now. All right, well, let me ask you this. L let's apply right. the same thing to position players, okay? okay. Um, Steer has looked solid. Friedel is he off really to has. a good start, okay? Um, Who? Two guys, Friedel. Friedel's off to an excellent okay. yes. Okay. Yes. You got two guys, though, that are young players. A lot of people, let's start with Barrero. Okay, now everybody said, good glove, can't hit. Okay, well, they might be right, but it, was, it wasn't a lot of time last year's first taste of the big leagues, young guy, talented guy. Um, he's not off to a great start, but he's had his moments, including a three-run home run in the game last night. You got Joey Votto singing the praises of Matt McClain, shortstop down at AAA Louisville, right? How long do you go with Barrero to give him a chance? Because a lot of people say well, until you give a guy, you know, 900, 1,000 at-bats in the big leagues, now you can maybe start to make some decisions on where you think he is as an offensive player. Barrero's nowhere close to that number. Well, you have to realize we're talking about a ball club that hung on to a guy for upwards of three years who had one good month in the big leagues, and that's Aristides Aquino. Um, I've never seen a player get more out of next to nothing than one incredible month in which he hit, I don't know, 12 home runs, 13, right. whatever it was, and they hung on and hung on and hung on. Now, maybe they out of necessity because they didn't have anybody else uh, that they could bring up there. But, you know, we saw Matt McLean in, uh, in spring training. I think he was a kid hit the home run in the first game of the spring to win a game. Um, and was impressive throughout the spring. And he's a high draft pick. Um, I don't know. I don't know how long you hang on to a guy like Barrero. He's only hitting now about 220 or something like that. And, and so I think uh, they're going to continue to look at him because they, they're mo. That's their mode of operation. We're going to.
a look at him and look at him and look at him until he passes out from exhaustion or ineptitude or all of a sudden he breaks out of it and becomes a player that you think he should be uh, performing the level he should be performing at. But I don't, I don't think they have any, uh, any, any thought of all right now doing anything with Barrero. For my money, Kevin Newman played pretty well when he had the chance to play. Um, I don't know. You know, they are a very patient team. Whether or not the patience evolves out of necessity or it's just the way they're going to operate. I would have gotten rid of uh, Aristides Aquino a year and a half ago. Uh, and, and the sweetest kid that ever lived. But at the same time, if you're not carrying your weight for a club that barely needs some production, then you have to look elsewhere. And they finally did that. But how long they'll hang on to Barrero is anybody's guess. Well, the other guy that, you know, look, and I said this on the show, and it's not disparaging the kid in any form or fashion. I don't know him, and by all accounts, they say he is an incredibly, incredible kid, great kid. Talking about Benson, okay? Now, I also know that the Cleveland Guardians are very tight with spending money, and they are not right. in the business on a regular basis of trading away first-round draft picks especially a guy gifted with the straight physical ability that Benson has. Big, strong, good-looking athlete, can run, defend, blah, blah, blah. So I wasn't buying it when all of a sudden everybody's writing ad nauseum about how great he looks in spring training. But again, you know, you do have to give the kid a chance, but my Lord, I mean, he's striking out virtually every single at-bat so far. Yeah, he, he looks completely overmatched. Uh, you know, opening day struck out four times. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, well, I wonder, you mentioned earlier about the pitching and, or, or players and how they, you know, they bring up, they, they sign guys to minor league contracts with an opportunity to make the big league ball club. Uh, most of those guys don't pan out because they've been to two, three, or four different organizations uh, they're 26, 27, 28 years old, and they haven't made it in the big leagues. Well, there's a reason why they haven't made it in the big leagues, because they're not good enough to play at the highest level of baseball that there is. I guess the Reds do it out of necessity because they can't spend the money that it would require them to do if they went out and got established players, whether it be position players or pitching pitchers. But um, I, we've seen precious little from Will Benson to make us think that this guy is is going to be a productive major league player. But again, they're going to give him a long look. And, and you have to ne never forget, Tom, the other part of it is, and I know you know this, when they cast they, meaning the baseball powers that be with this club or any other club, decide to sign a player or decide to go out and get a guy, which they did in the trade for Will Benson from Cleveland, they're not going to pull the plug on him quick because that then – reflects upon you and your ability to determine whether a guy can play or not. So you're going to bend over backwards to give that player or players enough time to say, yes, yes, he can, or no, he can't. But if you do it quick and you do it quick enough times, then the people that sign your paycheck are going to say, well, wait a minute now, you, you don't have a very good track record of bringing players into this organization who you think can play, and in reality, they can't. So it must be it must start with you. So I think a lot of times this patience evolves out of the fact mm -hmm. that 
we, we can't reflect upon ourselves. We've got to give this guy every chance and hope like hell that he can be the player we thought he was going to be when we made the deal for him. All right. Well, David Bell continues to say after the game, and he did again last night, that he's very encouraged about the way the team is playing and fighting and continuing to compete. So we'll see how it plays out. Final game in Atlanta, then right back on the home front. Uh, you're down there in North Carolina, your palatial estate. And um, and you stopped in Chapel Hill yesterday. Did you uh, rub yes. elbows with Roy Williams or any advice for Hubert Davis, uh, Caleb Love? As did you catch fact, him packing his bags and heading to Michigan? Anything like that? No, I did not. We just parked the car off of Franklin Street and went around the corner and had lunch at Sutton's Truck Store, which is one of the iconic places in downtown Chapel Hill. Been there as long as I've been around was there when I went to school there um, and just browsed and went into some stores and then jumped in the car and drove the hour and 40 minutes uh, to get to Salisbury again. But um, it's it, like Anna and I talked yesterday, it's the epitome of what a college town should be like. And I, I speak with great prejudice because it's a wonderful campus and um, there are so many places that are still there when I went to school there, and we're talking about back in the early 60s. Um, but I didn't see Roy or I didn't see Hubert. Um, didn't comment about Caleb Love going to Michigan. They already say he's going to be the best guard in the Big Ten. Um, it was just a nice visit uh, to Chapel Hill, and it's something that we will probably do more and more of. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful place, but it ain't the Ohio University. I can tell you that right now. Oh, in terms please, of sheer please. beauty, brother. All the rolling hills, hawking hills. I mean, the best. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your time in uh, North Carolina. We will see you uh, at Lacrosse Monday night. Safe travels back. I look forward to it. Look All forward right. to it, boys. Have a good week. Right. See you, Marty. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, All Marty. Right, boys. Thank you, Marty. Take care. Thank you, Marty. That's All right, guys. Thank Take you, care. All right. See ya. All right. I'll talk to you. Have a good day. Thanks for the time. Okay. All right. All right. So you got it right there. Broke it all down. And we're going to yeah. talk more about the Reds a little bit later on. But we thank uh, my dad for his time. We got Paul Doherty coming up in about uh, 10 minutes. So um, Ham and Eggers, Mr. President, popularity growing by the day. Take it away. <laughs> it's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right. Uh, here we go. The Bengals report. We haven't talked about the Bengals yet. I'm sure we'll make it there eventually on this show. I think show. we're going to do a small little – we're not doing something big. We're going to try our best to, to not go stick all to Bengals today. Stick to baseball? Yeah. The Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right, Casey. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There is also a new premium alkaline water out, Pawnee, and I have to tell you, this stuff tastes great. Made in Hamilton, Ohio, Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also, quote, the best tasting water in the world. Oh, he got me. I tried to speed you up, and he still got me. Don't choke, Casey. We need you. Yeah, we're good. <coughs> Your eyes are watering. That's really good water. Your eyes are watering. Maybe wash it down with some Pawnee water. 
It is the best tasting water in the world. It's a healthy alkaline water. You can visit their website at pawneywater.com, P-A-H-H-N-I, water.com, P-A-H-H-N-I, water.com, to see where you can buy this great tasting water. It is really good water. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> it's really good water. You look like you took a jump off the high dive and some water got up your nose. You're trying to get out of the pool. You're there with your friends. You're acting like, ah, we're okay. Nothing's wrong. But really, on the inside, your it's nose is water. just tingling. It's great water. It's that alkaline energy type type deal here. I'm energized. I'm feeling good. Had a whole bottle of Pawnee water in, what, 30 seconds? Quicker than that. Paul Doherty coming up here in just a minute. We just finished up with Marty. We are going to talk uh, NBA postseason a little bit after uh, Doc. We are going to talk a lot more about the Reds. I'm sure Tom and Paul will get into that uh, about the Reds here in just a minute. And then we'll have the rest of the show here coming up in just a second. Everything looking good. We have Doc. He is in here and ready to go. Tom. Well, he must have set uh, some kind of alarm. <laughs> After it? yesterday's debacle from Doc. <laughs> you say he's there? He's here. All right. All right, we will uh, get to him in just a second. Uh, lots of uh, comments uh, in the chat. Brian wondering if Doc set his alarm. I think he set. I think he set. He's all a, set. I, I think he set his alarm today. Looks like. Uh, looks like we're good. Okay. All right. Let's get to Doc. Doc. Good morning. I'm surprised with the weather being what it is. Is he there? He's here. He's here. All right. I'm surprised with the weather being what it is uh, that you are not up and at him out at the golf course right now and uh, and cleaning up carts. Getting guys out there ready to roll. 12.30. My shift. You go 12.30 to what? Sundown? Make sure they're all cleaned up and ready to go for the next nah, morning? Nah, usually only till about 4 o'clock. Shifts are 3 or 4 hours. Yeah, and really an a guy man. your age should not be working much longer. Eight hours. What? A guy your age should not be working any longer than That's right. four and a half. You start drifting off. You know, little schnoos up against a tree somewhere behind the golf shed or something like that? Correct. Correct. Good. Good. Hey, uh, your, your, your thoughts, and I know we're three days removed from this, but we didn't have you on yesterday. Uh, when all was said and done, uh, what did you think about the Masters? Um, I, sort of a mixed bag. I, I, the, the weather kind of messed with it in a major way. I think the Masters, more than any other uh, golf tournament, because they play at the same place every year, there's sort of a, a rhythm and flow to that tournament that, that you don't see elsewhere. Uh, guys come to expect certain things done certain ways, and, and when the weather messes with it like it did this time with the delays and the, and the brutal cold for Saturday, I think it kind of screwed things up. The, um, I, I think some of the live stuff, mess with it a little bit. I, I'm not I, I'm not a big believer in this big feud between the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. I really don't care. 
some people do. I mean, some people rooted against Phil Mickelson because he's on the live tour. I, I, I just want to see great golf. I, I want to see the best players in the world play what I consider to be the best golf course in the world. And, and I don't care if they're, if they're live, if they're PGA tour guys, or, or if they're, you know, the, the, the uh, cart barn cleaning, washing cart tour that I'm on. Right. Um, so that didn't really play into it. Uh, um, and Sunday was, uh, I don't know, you got nine hours of golf. You love golf. You got to watch nine hours of it. It wasn't especially compelling. There was no back nine magic. Uh, John Rong was kind of steady as she goes. And, and Kepka slipped up just enough not to be able to, uh, to, to win. So I thought it was okay by master's, master's standards. You know, usually it's great. I thought it was okay. Are you one of those guys who believes, and there was a lot of talk about this on different talk shows around and about as I'm in my car and I'll flip on something, local show, national show, whatever it might be. Um, you know, Tiger Woods, it was hard to watch. Uh, even if you're not a Tiger Woods fan, you have to have some sympathy and empathy for the guy and compassion. I mean, his leg, they say that, you know, it was nearly amputated after that car crash. And it's painful to watch him in such incredible pain uh, trying to get around out there. But we had Steve Flesh on last week, who plays on the senior tour. Um, and, of course, in the senior tour, you have the option of riding in a cart. Are you of the belief that in the not-too-distant future, when Tiger Woods can go play on the senior tour, that he's going to dominate that tour? No. Uh, um, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I, don't, I, I don't think his body will hold up. I, I mean... The Masters is, is a different animal because sometimes the weather is awful like it was Saturday. Uh, there's a lot of hills at Augusta that you, maybe you don't have in other places. Um, but, but no, then there, there are a lot of pretty good players still, that still play on, on, on the uh, senior tour. I don't even know that he's going to be interested in it enough that he wants to give you know to give to it full time even if he's physically allowed let, let me let me try let me run something else by you though that, that has occurred to me why is it totally out of line is it crazy to suggest that maybe given who he is and what he's meant to golf and what he could still mean to golf is it totally out of line to, to suggest that tiger woods be allowed to ride a cart in pga events well, see, I asked Steve Flesh that very same question. So you and I are on okay. the same page on this deal. He says uh, that it's his understanding that due to the, um, uh, the Disabilities Act in the United States of America, right, and all, mm -hmm. you know, governing bodies or employers, whatever it might be, even though, you know, the PGA doesn't employ Tiger Woods, but the, uh, the Disabilities Act, uh, that he believes that Woods could apply under such the law uh, and perhaps have that granted to him. And I think it would be a good thing. Now, you know, there are other guys out there where, you know, they may not be Tiger Woods, but there are some guys that have been great players that maybe they could make the same sort of, you know, uh, petition. But I'm with you all the way. I wouldn't have a problem with Tiger. And I don't think most players on the tour – Privately, they might say something, but publicly, nobody's going to say it about Tiger Woods, right? Yeah, and I, I understand it'd be a definite can of worms kind of thing. 
and I remember the uh, the controversy way back with with Casey Martin, and and how disappointed I was in in Nicholas and Arnold Palmer for voicing their vehement opposition to having someone ride a cart. That walking is essential to 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 golf, and and to a certain extent it is. But you're dealing with a different animal, as we said. A tiger is tiger. Um, he can still play good golf. He can still make all the shots. He just can't. He doesn't hold up. He looked like 90 years old on the weekend, um, and then he withdrew. So yeah, I, I think it's a it's a subject worth discussing and hearing what what players and and, and officials within the game and the PGA Tour think of that. I asked Steve Flesh a question the other day, and I know you said you don't get all worked up about it, but there are a lot of people that clearly do, the whole live PGA thing. And I did not realize until we had Steve on the show last week that the problem a lot of the players have with live is that the live tour, and there are other tours besides the PGA tour, we know that, but all of them by and large have agreed so that their players can get you know, points for the standings to be able to play in the Ryder Cup and all these kinds of things, having um, a play-in date before whatever tournament starts on your particular tour, that Liv said no to all of those things. That if Liv had just gone along with a program in one or two of those ass, if you will, from the PGA Tour, that nobody would have a problem with Liv. But I find it incredibly hypocritical, extraordinarily hypocritical. When I start hearing guys talk about dirty money, because I think it was 19 of the 30 largest sponsors of the PGA Tour do business in Saudi Arabia, where all the live money's coming from, do business mm -hmm. in communist China. Okay, dirty money there, no doubt about it. And the women's LPGA Tour, the single biggest sponsor of that tour, is a Saudi company. I just find it unbelievably hypocritical, and I'm tired of hearing McElroy talk about it. Well, yeah, and I, I, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, the, the only thing, as I said before, Tom, I, you know, life is too short. Sports are too much fun, and the older I get, the more I believe this. To get wrapped up in, in stuff like this, the politics of sport, um, don't do much for me anymore. I'm tired of screaming. Uh, I, I just want to enjoy what I'm watching. Uh, maybe that's a cop-out. I, I don't care anymore. Like I said with the Masters, to me, the Masters had a job to do, and that's to assemble the best field it can within the, the, uh, the, the uh, guidelines for qualifying for that event, and that's exactly what they did. And it would have been a lesser event without Phil Mickelson, obviously, without Brooks Kepka, without Patrick Reed, all of whom I believe finished top 10. And that's what I care about. Yeah. You know, they want to rich people fighting about money amuses me. Uh, you know, the old John Lennon let them rattle their jewelry. And that's how I, I feel about it. So take try just once these days. I know it's a tough ask, but just. Try to take the sideshows out, take the politics out, and let's just watch great athletes in, in, in great venues doing great things. All right, speaking of great athletes, I don't know how much you're paying attention to this, but you, you, you followed all sports and covered all sports, not as much because we don't have a, a franchise here in Cincinnati, an NBA franchise. 
But, man, you watch LeBron James play. Uh, and this guy last night, he goes for nearly a triple-double. He's 38 years old. Uh, you and I, you were the first one to point this out on how just some guys never seem to have an off night. Um, I tell you, the older I get, uh, I, I'm not so sure there's been a guy besides Tom Brady that, that, that I just marvel at as the years go by more and more than LeBron James. You agree with that? I, I do. And for the biggest reason being the NBA is a global game. Um, it, it's one thing for, for uh, Tom Brady to dominate the NFL, uh, where 99.9% .9 of the participants come from this country. You know, we're, we're dealing with uh, guys from all over the world playing at the highest level in the NBA. And, and he's still at, at age 38. And, and, and obviously we, we tend to forget that he didn't play in college. You know, he, he, he came straight out of high school and he's been in the league for what? I, more than 20, 20 years. years. And he's still impactful. He's not as great as he once was. I mean, nobody, nobody expects him to be, but, but he still, like you said, has impacts on games. And, and I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't disagree with anything you say about LeBron James. I still like Jordan better because Jordan had that certain killer something that, that I've never seen another athlete have. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree totally with what you're saying. Who's the closest killer athlete kind of thing, if you took Jordan out, that you've ever been around? Biggest killer, just, just, just stone-cold killer as a player. Anybody come to mind? Um... Around here, maybe, uh, maybe Kenyon Martin. Yep. You know, Kenyon was all business most of the time, but especially when he was on the court. Um, yeah, probably Kenyon Martin. Certainly the most, maybe the most intimidating athlete I've seen around here. All right, last thing I want to ask you about the Reds. Uh, you tend to listen to the games on radio more than watch on television. You've been writing about that for years, and you continue to do so at The Benjamin uh, and on themorningline.substack.com. Uh, your thoughts on the Red Legs here. They're losing tight games. They're competing better, I think, than a lot of us thought they might. Um, yeah. <laughs> Invest a little, a little more thoughtfully and, and heavily in the bullpen. I mean, this, it's, it's not news that, that the Reds don't have a good bullpen. And it should be news. Because if you have a bad bullpen one year, try to fix it the next. And I understand that, that they've got some guys that are, that are going to be coming back. Um, that, that should help them. Santheon, uh, Sims, uh, not, not Antone, unfortunately. But maybe they'll get a little better. But I wrote this the other day, Tom. You look at, you look at some of the best bullpens in the game. And, and they, they, they do it on a shoestring budget. You don't need lots of money to have a good bullpen. You know, there are a few teams that pay closers lots of money, but, but the guys pitching the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings, they're making, you know, a couple million, if that. Some of the best bullpens are, are anchored by kids, rookies, making the minimum. Um, what that means is, is that their, their, their personnel people have done their homework and are able to find these sort of diamonds in the rough. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's encouraging that the Reds are playing with, with, with a bit of an attitude. 
Um, I, I think it's encouraging that some of these guys are hitting. I don't know how long that's going to last. Yeah. Um, if you go by their baseball cards, you know, you don't, you're not going to see uh, Fraley and, and Friedel and Steer and Vossler uh, continue to bet 300 plus or have a couple of home runs a week or drive in five or six a week. I don't think that's going to continue, but it's nice to see that they're, they're playing okay now. Well, what's not nice to me, and I wrote about this uh, this morning, teams that praise themselves or talk about how hard they play. Yes, yes. Generally aren't very good. You don't want to hear your team t- saying, well, we tried hard, because that's sort of a knot hole, little Billy, you know, at the whippy dip after the game kind of deal. Uh, I, I don't, I, I tend to think that, that trying hard is Im- implied in the contract. You know, you sign a major league contract, whether any, regardless of the sport, that effort is kind of implied. Well, what you get for all that money is is not trying hard, it's results. Uh, teams that try that, that that say that they try hard aren't usually very good. And I'd like the Reds to, to, to say eventually, you know, we're trying hard, but that's not good enough. We have to put that effort into, into winning because winning at this level was all that matters. Well, I think that is one of the, 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 the criticisms and one of the reasons that some of the fans um, have issues with David Bell. I really do. I, I mean, look, look, every manager, and especially when you're working with what he's got down there in the bullpen, I mean, I, I feel for the guy. I mean, his options are what they are, and, and half the guys down there can't get me out. But, and God bless him for trying. But, I mean, golly, day, I mean, play, play this bite, please, real quick, Doc, if you can stay with us. This was after last night's game, David Bell's comments. Let her rip. Close games. Yeah, we just got to keep playing like that. And, you know, sometimes it's tougher when you when – you fight back and you, you come up short, but you know, it's it, the season's young, but we've shown so far that we'll continue to do that. And I, I have a ton of confidence in each guy that they'll continue to do that. Um, you know, that's just, that's what you have to do. That's the way this game is. And, um, that's how you, you get rewarded for it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's encouraging because you know that if you keep playing, playing well and you keep playing like we are and keep coming, Back and play nine innings. That that um, it will happen. So um, we'll just have to, to to keep going. Now, look, I, you and I both know where he's coming from, and Reds fans are smart baseball fans. They know where he's coming from, but you could almost put that on a reel nightly for three years. Boy, I really believe in these guys. Uh, yeah, they, you know, they're they're out there fighting and competing and trying really hard. I think Bell would get some people more on his side. Not that there's a huge landslide that's against him in any form or fashion, because everybody realizes what he's working with, and it's unfair to evaluate him. You pointed out this before. But I think one time, I think somebody would like to hear him say what you just said. Hey, we're fighting our ass off here every single night, but sooner or later, you got to win a game, right? I, I yeah, I, I think so, if only because that would be such a drastic change in tone that, that it might wake some guys up. I mean, if there are guys that need waking up at this juncture, I'm not sure there are, but I, I understand what you're saying. Um, he's just riding what he's got. He knows that the best thing that he has going for him, 
with this team is, is its attitude. Um, it doesn't have enough of anything else to, to compete uh, against good teams. What they have is, is a willingness every day to go out and play hard. And he knows he can count on that. And that's really about the only thing he can count on. Count on, But sure, a change of tone. And who knows what he says behind closed doors. Right. I have no idea. I, I can all but assume that he doesn't, he isn't that much different behind closed doors because that's his personality. That I, you know, that's that's who David is, and you know whether you like that or not, that that's a fact. But sure, occasionally maybe, you know, throw a chair or or uh, den a locker or, or raise hell. I it might might make a dent because it would not be uh, the status quo. I, I used to kind of liken it to when when my my dad would yell at me when I was a kid. You know, he didn't often do it. So when he did it, I stood up and paid attention. You know, hey, this is serious. He's really pissed off this time. Um, I, and that that certainly couldn't hurt. But again, you you got to have players. I've said this forever. Right. I, Dave Shula was never going to be a great NFL head coach. He was just thrust into it way too young and didn't have the experience or the temperament. But he might have won a few more games if the Bengals hadn't been terrible. If they didn't give him terrible players, and you could say the same for for uh, for Dick LeBeau, uh, and I think David Bell's under the same sort of uh, anvil anchor. He he hasn't hasn't had good players, and the fear for me is because I like David that when they get better, if 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 and when they get better or at least decent, he's not going to be the guy managing the team. Um, they'll go out and try to find somebody who's, you know, proven winner or whatever. And, and David will have put in all these years of, of trying to groom these guys and not be able to uh, reap any of the benefits of it. Yep. Yep. I hear you. All right, Doc, we appreciate your time. Now, you're still doing the morning line at substap.com, uh, but Correct. you're also now at, 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 I mean, you know, look, you're making the Benjamins and you're writing for the Benjamins. What is the website for the Benjamin? That. BetTheBenjamin.com. BetTheBenjamin, all one word, dot com. Yeah, I'm, I'm there. Uh, Keith Jenkins, who's yep. another Empire alumnus, covered UC, is is there. Um, folks may not know Jackie Rowe and Betsy Ross, but they are they are public relations marketing wizards, and, yep. and they're they're the, uh, they're running the show. It's a really good site. I wouldn't say that if I didn't mean it. it it's a really good site, and it's just getting started. And, and got a lot of enthusiastic young people. Me, I'm just enthusiastic. But uh, I, I, I would urge people to check it out, bettebenjamin.com. I will. Uh, Jackie Rao, one of my all-time favorite people. She just gave uh, uh, two, three, four million dollars to her alma mater, my alma mater. The Ohio yeah. University for Women's Athletics. So I'm all on board with Jackie Rao. Good for you. There you yes, go. Indeed. Go to the Ab site. Absolutely. absolutely. Tell everybody Doc, you know and everybody you don't. We will. BetTheBenjamin.com. We invite you to check it out and read all the Doc's stuff and everything else they got going on there. Well, thanks for being with us today, my friend. Good look out on the golf course. Break out the shorts, a T-shirt, and you're dialed in. All right, Tom. Thank you. All right, man. Paul Doherty, kind enough to join us. You know, when you get to be a little bit older, it's interesting that he's out there doing that and cleaning golf carts. There has to be some peace to doing something like that. I had an uncle who's just legendary in the state of Virginia. Legendary. 
high school basketball and baseball coach. He's in the Virginia Hall of Fame as both a high school basketball and high school baseball coach in Virginia. He no longer coaches. He's retired. But since retirement, and maybe some of you have done this, you know, he, he goes out and he's a, he's a starter on the local public golf course. I got to believe, I mean, I, I found myself flirting with that idea from time to time. Or going out and working on the grounds crew at some golf course. Sure. Sunshine, right? A little exercise. A little peace. After spending a couple hours with you guys every day, I need peace. Well, I don't blame you. You say you go home and run or you take a swim. Yeah. You got to well, get some yeah, I'm not swimming. Any. I, don't, I, don't, I don't pay the fees to the, to the health club that has an indoor swimming pool. So I have to wait for that for the summer. But, yeah, get out and run a little bit. But, I mean, working on the uh, – you were getting ready to say something, Casey? No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't blame you if you got to put up with us for two hours. Well, it's, and, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's challenging. You need a little peace. You need a little quiet. And I like what Doc's doing out there. I think it's a good idea. Uh, just to clean up what, what Doc was saying, it's bettheben.com. Not uh, are you kidding bet, me? He doesn't even have the website not correct. Bet, well, I just typed in bettthebenjamin.com to make sure we were pubbing, pubbing it. And uh, it's bettheben.com, not the full Benjamin. So I put it in the chat if anybody wants to read it. And he still does stuff on his uh, Substack. I'm pretty yes, sure. he does. Because I still yeah. get – I still read his stuff from time to time as he – I, I get the notifications yeah. on my emails and bettheben.com is what he's is what he's on if anybody wants to read it. Um Everett says golf courses need more starters in and around town. So they got rid of a lot of those guys, went by the wayside during and after COVID. So very few courses have them because they can't find people to work there. So you guys might pick up a few bucks, get out and get a little sunshine, a little exercise in the afternoon. I do need to get a little sunshine. Well, you do. I'm pasty. A little pasty. Played my first round of golf yesterday. You did? Yeah. Where'd you play? Played at Glenview. Yes, nice place. Great spot. Yep. Yep. Got eaten alive. I did not play well. I mean, are, are, but are you a decent golfer or how would you characterize your game? I'm decent. Like, I, I would I – would, I pretty consistently shoot like somewhere between 83 and 87. Oh, that's solid. Yeah. That's very solid. I'm not like BLP five handicap BLP. I got to get, I got to get back there though. I only played nine. I shot a 49. That's, that's not good. Yeah. That, that's, that's not sniffing that 83 is, to 87. That is bad. Bad. Well, three, I mean, it's your first time out of the gate for the new season, right? Three drops, three, three putts. Bad. Hadn't swung a club. Are since you moving them around a little bit? No. First time out. No foot know, wedges. Why? No foot wedges. Come on. No foot wedges. Nope. Were you gambling? No. No. I. I legit. It was. It was bare bones yesterday. Okay. Can I play again tonight? Very nice. Play again tonight. One Does my... your uh, girlfriend play? No. She does enjoy going out there and and riding around, getting some fresh air. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. She doesn't play. Yeah. Very peaceful. I, I really enjoyed. I know I talk a lot about our son in lacrosse and so forth, but he was also on the golf team. Uh, for four years in high school. And uh, they play in the, in the fall um, for golf. And I tell you, it, it, it's just so enjoyable to go out there and walk around for nine or 18. Yeah. You know, peaceful. Very nice. Especially, obviously, when the weather. Playing the mill tonight. You know the mill? That's where we played almost all our matches. I love that place. Oh, it's a great, yeah. Playing great the place. Playing the, black, the back nine. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. 
Say in the other public court. Now, Blue Ash gets a lot of pub. Blue Ash is The nice. Vineyard gets a lot of pub. I've never played there. The Vineyard's beautiful. Where I bought a condo out there when I was right out of college uh, and working at Channel 5. Uh, I bought a condo for um, $50,000, right? Put five, put, 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 put $5,000 down. It's all the $5,000 I had to my name. Uh, and bought a little condominium. Billy Hemmer and I used to live out there. And... Um, and they had just built and opened the vineyard. And so they, they, they cut the chorus into these woods out there. But on the front nine, uh, it was a little more open. And so they had started to plant. And this is going back. I mean, this is 86, 87. So, I mean, you're talking a long time ago. Um, and you knew it was going to be a matter of time when that stuff finally started to grow on the front nine. Because the back nine is from, from, from a beauty standpoint. It is incredible. But, but what I was getting at was, so the Vineyard's got a big rep. Blue Ash has got a big rep. Just a couple, to name a couple. Mill I like a lot. But I tell you the place it did, has done a fantastic job, is uh, the Jack Nicklaus Golf Course out of Kings Island. Oh, the Grizzly. I think they have 27 holes out there. Yeah, I, they redid it. I don't know if they still have 27. They do. Do they? They do. Okay. It um, is really, really nice out there. Yeah, I've played that twice. That's one of my favorite. Blue Ash is probably my favorite. I've only played, I've only played Blue Ash once, um, but man, it's it's great. It was probably one of my favorite courses around here. But the Grizzly's really good. It's hard to get a tee time, probably because it's so good. But yeah, it's a nice course. Elks Run. Uh, AJ says that's a good bang for your buck. I agree. That's another nice one. Uh, Richard from Indian Hill says if you want to play eighteen. You know, you got to play the exclusive country clubs around town. Let's get Richard from Indian Hill on the line. Let's do a little chatterbox outing out there at uh, Camargo. <laughs> you ever played Camargo, Tom? Yes. You have? Yeah. You know, it's one of the top 50 courses in the entire I know. world. I know. And what they did was they, uh, they redid uh, that course. They shut it down in... June last year, July, and it's not opening this year until um, early June. And so I had a friend of mine the other day. My daughter uh, surprised me by coming in town. My wife and her put together a surprise. She was in the, the, the back of an SUV, and my wife had said, hey, could you run out to the truck and get something in the back? Well, I opened the back, and there's my daughter. Right, it is a surprise for Easter weekend. It was fantastic. Well, that's great. Um, but anyway, so we love playing pickleball. Yeah. So a friend of mine is a member over at uh, uh, Camargo. I I never understood. I never knew you have to be invited to be a member of Camargo. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, all that crowd you run around with, you you know that. <laughs> yeah. But we went over there and played pickleball the other day, and I mean, they've got that course. It looks unbelievable what they've done there to that place. And it was already great to start with. I mean, it's, I, I was looking last year, I was just reading through a list of the top 50 golf courses in the world. Two of them are in Ohio. Other one's uh, Murfield up in Columbus where they play the Memorial. Oh, that's a big league place. Yeah. You talk about it. But, but the nicest course in Columbus. Now, I know they play the Memorial every year in Dublin, right? The nicest course in Columbus, Ohio, is Scioto Country Club. Oh, okay. That's where they played the uh, the senior men's U.S. Open two years ago. That's over in Upper Arlington. That, that 
big league hood, kind of like the hood you grew up in, Paul. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, big league hood. Uh, and it's right there next to Ohio State. And, um, yeah, I mean, all, all the – yeah, I mean, that's – but as far as just a public course up there in Columbus, if you're ever looking for somewhere to go, that Scarlet and Gray course, that's the official course of Ohio State. Yeah. They have two courses there, the Scarlet and the Gray. That's where Nicholas grew up playing. Golden Bear. Pine Valley in, in uh, New Jersey. That's what everybody always says. The yeah, best, the I've best. heard that too. Uh, who, who's, yeah, that's big league joint. You've played that course? No, I've never played oh. that course. I got, I got a couple of friends of mine that have played that course. What yeah. have they said? Oh, I, <laughs> I think my dad's played it. Well, you know what? What we should do is, is when we have my dad on regularly on Wednesdays, is we should talk to him about different courses. He's played everywhere. All the traveling. Um Everywhere. He's played there. I mean, he's played out at Pebble Beach. He's played, uh, you know, all, everywhere. Yeah. And, and so he would be a good guy to get. Now, now this is a disturbing uh, comment from George Santos. Says, Tom, I love the glasses. Are they from the Jeffrey Dahmer collection? Mm -hmm. Tough. That's I mean, tough. George, That's come tough. on. I borrowed these. I had forgotten a, a pair of cheaters, and I borrowed these. I think they look very good. Yeah, Camargo was ranked number 58 uh, back in 2000 for the 2021-2022 uh, golf.com rankings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people travel from all over the country. Yeah, I think it's the, um, if I remember right, because I've never played it, but I think it's because of the par threes. Like, everybody talks about mm -hmm. how great the par threes are on that course. Yeah. Um, kind of how challenging they are and uh, how they're set up. But, yeah, I had no, I, I had no, I, no clue. No clue. But then after I read about it, it's like one of those things. I don't know what the term is when you don't know of something and then you learn about it and then all of a sudden you hear all about it. Somebody, it, probably a week after that, somebody had told me about, um, I'm not trying to join it, but said, you know, the process of what you have to do to, to get yeah. into that club. And yeah, it's, it's extensive. Well, the old story goes, and, and, and look, I, I never found out if this is true or not. But the old story goes is that Carl Linder was never invited to be a member at Camargo Country Club. I mean, this is the all-time, not, and there's no maybe debate about this. This is the all-time big daddy in the history of Cincinnati businessmen. Yeah. And philanthropists, for that matter. He was not invited into that club. So what did he do? You know what he did? You know the story? I know. He bought the land next to Camargo Country Club. Bought the land. Built a bigger house than their clubhouse. Built a bigger swimming pool than their swimming pool. And that's where he lived. <laughs> next door. That's, that's, I believe that is a true story because I've heard it many, many times through the years. That's a great story. Yeah. Uh, yep. Oh, AJ, come on. Don't get on this. This, I mean, you cock. There are a lot of things you could do. Don't get into Jeffrey Dahmer. What is the infatuation, by the way? We have a lot to talk about today. We'll get into the Reds and the NBA playoffs and that kind of thing. Could you please explain to me your generation? Because Netflix or somebody came out with this Jeffrey Dahmer. Did you yeah. watch it? 
I got through the first like two episodes and it got too depressing and I turned it off. Did you watch it, Casey? No, no interest in it. I, I everybody was watching it. So everybody I, was. Well, what is? I mean, there's always been this infatuation through generations with these mass killers and all this kind of stuff and Charles Manson and you know all this kind of thing. I mean, I I just can't imagine taking time out of your day to learn more about an evil, evil man and the things that he did to people, killing people and wrecking their families' lives. Who goes and watches that shit? Yeah. Who? I, I don't know. Our generation is very obsessed with the true crime and serial killer and... and Docu-series, kind too. Of I mean, like... Do doom and gloom. I mean, even if you look over at... Um, What's the, the huge show? The Walking Dead. You yeah. know, it's just always this dark and gloomy and it feels pessimistic. I don't know. I, I don't like it. I, I don't like it. I I do watch some like the Jeffrey Dahmer one. I turned on the first episode or two just because, you know, everybody was watching it. It was a pop culture thing. And I just wanted to kind of at least be up on it so I could have a conversation about it. But I got through the first, I don't know, like I said, two episodes maybe. And I just said, ah, I'm good. I'm done. Okay. All right. I'm done. Okay. Um, Everett brings up a good point. He says all generations have been infatuated with this kind of stuff or drawn yeah, to this stuff. Don't I, I, pay. And I said that. I said Charles Manson. I went back. I mean, I. No, I, 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 I do. No, I, I was saying that just because, I mean, maybe more so just looking at like Netflix and all these things that are readily available with social media and everything else that we're sharing, you know. Um, I just seems to me like i mean even i i think back to myself living through the um the dc sniper back in yeah right i mean right. that was i was out there that was that was something i will never forget because that was something that i very much lived through for a month and a half and they couldn't catch him for a long time no they called two him. guys it was two guys yeah. young kid if i remember right yeah. a teenager yeah. right and then some guy who was dark you know really a bad guy. influence obviously. yeah a guy that yeah. basically radicalized him right. yeah and and that was that was an incredibly scary situation because you couldn't even get gas you couldn't get you couldn't do anything because people were getting shot at gas stations you'd get out of your car to get gas yep. i mean i was i don't know six seven years old but i i vividly remember it because it was so traumatizing that you got out of your car and you were just, I mean, gas stations would be empty. Parking lots would be empty. And then finally they caught him at a rest stop in Maryland. I, I remember um, years ago when I was working at WGN. And we'll, we'll wrap up this talk about this dark stuff. But I, I, I'll never forget. It was one of the most poignant moments of my life as a young adult. Um, when I was at WGN in Chicago announcing the Cubs games. And so in the winter, I had to work there all winter and would do any number of things from morning drive sports, afternoon drive sports, Bears pregame, postgame, whatever. And on Saturdays, I'd have to do every other third week, whatever it was, like a five-hour talk show. And, and so most of the time you're staying on sports, but there was a woman who had come to the station the day before on a Friday and she was being interviewed for a very short amount of time on the afternoon drive time. She was the leading person in the FBI of, of, of diving into the psychology and the psychiatry of serial killers. She had traveled coast to coast and all over the world and interviewed any serial killer that you've ever heard of in some overseas that here in the States we had never heard of. It wasn't the internet back then. And I remember asking her 
you know, I ended up having her on the show and, and talking to her and, and was there a common denominator in all of these different people, men, women, the Ted Bundys, the Charles Mansons, the, you know, whoever, right? On and on and on and on. Um, the guy in Illinois, a uh, terrible, uh, dressed up as a clown. I mean, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, but she said, look, she said, you can walk in the room. She said, you will be there for 30 seconds. She said, the common denominator is you look them in the eye and two things are for sure. You are staring into the very heart of undescribable evil. All of them as charming as they can be. And she used Ted Bundy. Uh, as, as a case in point. Uh, but she said, number one is that. And number two, there is no chance on God's earth that we should ever believe that any of these people can spend time in jail and let them out on parole. She says, no how, no way. There is no such thing in her very educated opinion that any of those people can be rehabilitated. No chance. She said, it's terrifying. So, I don't know. Just something. We're really drifting on. It'll never, never land here. All right. Uh, John Wayne Gacy. Thank you, Steve. Hate even saying his name. Um, okay. Um, we're going to talk about, we said yesterday we were going to walk through the Western Conference of the NBA playoffs today. So, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the games last night. Uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Western Conference matchups as the playoffs, the real playoffs, will begin this coming weekend once the uh, final seed in each conference is determined over the next three days. So, Ham and Eggers, take it away. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right. Uh, if you have not already, make sure you go down there, you like the video, you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're over 4,500 subscribers right now. We're kind of kicking the tires, trying to think about 5,000. So if you haven't subscribed already, make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, I know we always pitch it at the top of the show. We're going to start pitching it now during the second Ham and Eggers segment. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, if you go to iTunes, uh, to Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe. You can just click on the Chatterbox Sports page, and you can see all of the podcasts that we run from this to Chatterbox Reds to Box Lunch, uh, Not Too Picky, The Mental Game, Rebound Rundown. All of that is on there. If you enjoy the show, leave a rating and a review. helps us to know what you like, what you want to hear more of. Um, and, again, we will have – box lunch i believe coming up um here at noon right after this show is over so go in there like the video subscribe chatterbox reds is live every night after the reds game that is live trace and nick kirby do that uh every night after the reds game they usually get on what probably eighth or ninth inning of the games mm -hmm. and then uh, they hop on do that and then recap the game They've been doing that every night. They will continue to do that every night. Reds don't have another off day till the 27th. Get a nice long off season, and then you get a nice long first month of the season. So they will be doing that. And all of those episodes get published also in podcast form available for you every morning. So if you're driving into work and you want to just get caught up on what happened on the Reds game from the night before, you can do that. 
just by listening to Chatterbox Reds. Casey, anything I'm forgetting? Anything we need to pub that we are doing? Oh, also Chatterbox Idle. Are those applications closed? Uh, I know that we're going through them, reaching out to people. So if you haven't done it already, please go ahead, apply. We are going through those right now. And uh, I think we're going to be doing a um, filtration process here very, very soon. And then shortly Just after like, that. Just like uh, Pawnee Water. Yeah. Right after that, I think we're going to be uh, attempting to do it for, for real. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, maybe. Yep. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So all of that is up and around the corner. And that's your advertisements on Chatterbox Sports and everything that we're doing. It's a lot going on. Tom, I got to say, I got to ask. Yes. Because I think people have really enjoyed the last couple of days where we've branched off into some different topics. Yes. I know it hasn't been totally sports, but we I saw somebody comment in a few minutes ago that they thought yesterday was a fantastic show. Thank gotta you. Got to ask you. Got to ask. We never tied a ribbon on Breaking Bad. Did you finish it? What did you think? Well, look, here's the deal. Okay. Like a lot of you. Now, I have a couple friends of mine who are married guys where, you know, their wife will go to bed at, say, 930, right? Because they're up and at them the next morning. Mm -hmm. And they will then sit down about 10P and sit there till, like, 230A and rip off, like, you know, six, seven episodes in a row of whatever it is they're watching, right? I got a couple really good friends. They do that regularly. Um... I can't pull that off because I can't stay up that late. So generally what I do is, like when my wife uh, was out of town with our daughter for spring break and I had to stay home with Luke because uh, he's still in high school. So, you know, he's got homework at night and I'll sit down and over a four or five night, you know, run, I'll rip off three, four a night, right? Sure. Okay. So I am in season five, which I think is the last season. It is. Right. So I'm about four or five episodes in. So it's been about a week and a half since I've been able to watch one. Now, I'll settle in here over the next night. Next night, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow night. Um, not the weekend. We, we were double dipping in lacrosse this weekend, so we'll be traveling a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've really enjoyed it. Excellent show. Excellent show. It was really cool. We were out in Phoenix. Uh, we went out to the, the, the Waste Management Open, and that was the same weekend, of course, in Phoenix where they played the Super Bowl in Phoenix. So there are local news. If there was ever a time to watch local news, that was the week in Phoenix because everybody who's anybody was out there, right? Sports, broadcasting, music, entertainment, politics, whatever. Um, and one morning while we were out there, they had the two primary characters from Breaking Bad what, what, what's the guy's name? Cranston? Brian, Brian Cranston. Yeah, and then the, and the Jesse Paul. guy. Isn't that Aaron Paul? I think so. I don't know. I but anyway, they were on TV. I'd say they seem like really cool guys, just as, as people. Yeah, it is. Really cool Paul. guys. Yep. Are they planning on doing anything like a movie or something like that? Because there are a couple shows that I know um, I keep. It's been going on a long time now, and there's been no movement on the thing that Sons of Anarchy was going to come out with a movie. Yeah, so and then there's another big one that's coming out with a movie. So I don't really want a huge wanna... one. I don't know. There's another huge show. Oh, um, Peaky Blinders. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I won't spoil the end of the show for Please you. Please don't. 
But when you when you get to the end of the show, it'll make sense. There is a spinoff movie on Netflix of uh, Breaking Bad. It's called El Camino. Okay. And it is, it's a spinoff. Um, it's kind of like a postscript of the show, basically. And it's pretty good. I enjoyed watching it. But it's not an extension. It's not more episodes. It's just a two-hour whatever film. Um, I don't think they're going to do anything more with it. I mean, they did Better Call Saul. Which is yes, an entire. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's an entire. He's a good character. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's a good sense of humor. Yeah, fantastic. Like yep. He adds so much value to the show. He's really good. Have you watched Succession? So I have not. I actually just got HBO Max not too long ago, and I haven't with college basketball and everything else. I haven't had time to. Um, I'm watching Full Swing on Netflix right now. The golf. Yeah, yeah, I hear it's great. Yeah, so I'm three or four episodes in. I think I'm on episode four right now. I've started it the last two nights. Finally. I think I've watched one night of Netflix in the last five, six months. But now that everything's kind of calming down a little bit, I've, I've had some more time. So I started Full Swing on Netflix. Thought that was really good. I've, I heard some mixed reviews on that. I, I saw some people say they didn't. I've heard everybody say it was great. I, I, I heard a couple of people that, that I know say that they didn't like it, that they didn't, it didn't hook them. I, I think it's fantastic. I've really enjoyed it. Jolly um, Jolly says, have I gotten to the part where Walter White meets, does he meet Jeffrey Dahmer? Is there truth to that, or Jolly Jolly just jacking around here? I think he's jacking around here. All right. Jolly Jolly Jolly, you're tired, and that's tired. <laughs> Succession, I hear, is fantastic. Yeah, I hear that's an elite show. Yeah. Haven't watched it so yet. So that may be it next up. And thank you uh, for the suggestion in the chat uh, about that. Okay, let's get to... You want to do the Reds? Yeah, you know, let's... I was just getting ready to say we that. We didn't do the Reds yesterday. All right. I, I, I want to... I want to pick up, let, let, let's start with the product on the field. What do you think from what, and you're a big baseball guy, uh, Paul, and Casey, you have uh, started to adopt being more in on baseball. Yep. When you change the channel from FC, you'll tune into a baseball game from time to time. But, of course, they only play once a month. So you can watch a lot of baseball in between games in the MLS. But, uh, come on, relax. Um, your thoughts, both of you guys, your thoughts about the Reds so far? Ten games in, four up, six down. Well, I think there's positives and negatives, obviously, <laughs> stating the obvious there. But uh, I think if, if you're looking at positives, I think the lineup, and you alluded to this yesterday, the lineup has vastly outperformed what I think a lot of people assumed this lineup would do before the season started. Something that's clearly very concerning about this is that in their six losses, they have had the lead or been tied in all six losses and have lost those games. And what, four of the six have been one-run games? Yeah. So they're right there. Where I struggle with this Reds team, and I had – my mom was watching the game last night, and she asked me. She goes, she was so frustrated, so frustrated. She goes, why don't they just, why don't they just get one bullpen arm? Why don't they just get one guy that they can get out of the bullpen that they can rely on? And I'm sitting there going, well, they kind of do. Alexis Diaz is pretty mm -hmm. good, solid. He's very solid. Yep. And I see the frustration because I, 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 I get where she's coming from. But at the same time, I don't know if you want to spend the money on the bullpen right now when you're not necessarily trusting that you can compete at a really high level as this season goes on. I don't know if this offense right now 
is sustainable in the long run of this season or if eventually water is going to find its level and they're going to end up 20 games under 500 and then it's just going to be a situation where you're saying to yourself, ah, well, good thing we didn't spend that money back in April when things look good. Now, if you get a big enough sample size on this season and they start to play like this, I mean, last night, night before, both very winnable games. Mm-hmm. Both very winnable games. And they lose. That's taxing. Mentally, It's you, you start to get yourself beat down. It's frustrating. But I don't know what the corrective issue is there besides going out and, and shoring up the bullpen. The flip side of that coin, though, is do you want to go out and spend a, a bajillion dollars on a bullpen on April 12th? when you're 10 games into the season. I don't think you do. Well, you're not going to find those guys to start with. I mean, you're not going to be able to start assembling good bullpen veteran or, or, or established guys because they're already playing for pitching for somebody else. But, Casey, let me ask you this. Everything Paul just said is true. Right. But it's also true that the Reds lost over 100 games for just a second time in franchise history last year, and everybody universally across the world, except for maybe Nick Crawl and David Bell and some of the guys on the team, uh, felt like the Reds were going to stink again this year. Okay? Mm-hmm. I, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, you're playing toe-to-toe with a couple of pretty decent teams. The Cubs aren't any good. I know they came back. Reed told me, bragging about them coming back from 7 nothing down and winning last night. They're not any good. Uh, Pirates aren't any good. Uh, but the Phillies, even though – we mentioned, you know, injuries. Harper's on his way back. Hoskins out for the year. Not a very good bullpen there either. Uh, they played with Philadelphia. They dropped two out of three. They've played with Atlanta. They've dropped two in a row. So is it unfair to sort of change your expectations of the team? Or do you maybe have a little more optimism about the team? That they're at least competing against a team like Atlanta, who many believe is going to win or play in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I just from the 10 games, and I think, you know, Paul kind of touched on this a little bit. I don't know if that's enough of a sample size just because of how long the season is. Um, but I do, I do kind of get this feeling like, you know, Philadelphia was, is supposed to be a really good team. Atlanta, also supposed to be a really good team. Tampa Bay Rays, we're going to be playing them again or not again but we're going to be playing them that's a pretty decent team and then the rangers they're playing really good right now too i don't know this is like a really tough part of the schedule for me to like sit here and say like yeah this is this is who they are and um we just need one more guy what just my expectations are still the same i think they get over their their win total that everyone's been talking about that that's what my expectations were it was like at 66, I believe. Yeah, 65. It, yeah, 65 to me, and a half. To me, I think they've shown you enough to where, I mean, they they could easily be a team that is sitting at above 500 right now. And I think if you were to extrapolate that out through the rest of the season, um, you know, I think you would easily get over that 66 win mark. I think this is a team that playing right now, this is a team that is trending in the direction of hitting that 70 win mark. I think they are competitive Mm. enough right now to at least kick the tires on that. The problem is that I'm worried about, and I said this last night, 
I just don't think that this what they are doing right now is sustainable. I think that they are kind of catching lightning in a bottle through these first 10 games. And now, granted, I, I will sit here. You mean and, offensively? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Offensively. Yeah. I will. I will be the first to admit that I now, up until probably this week, have like the first seven, eight, six, probably six, seven games. I didn't have a chance to watch every single inning, watch a ton of what was going on. I've seen the box scores. I've seen the highlights. I've listened to Chatterbox Reds. So I'm getting the gist of everything going on, but seeing it with my own eyes and now watching these last couple of games in Atlanta, I think you make a good point that Atlanta is a competitor. Atlanta is a uh, not competitor. They are a contender. And to go down there and play. Oh, look, the running joke last year was, oh, they played well in Atlanta. They played well in Atlanta. The first first series of the year, they played well in Atlanta. Gotcha. That was the running joke last year. Yeah. yeah. They haven't won a game here in the last two nights, but they played well in Atlanta. Now, is that going to be the running joke again over the next four months? Who knows? But I do think that they are playing better right now through the first 10 games of the season. For sure. They're playing much better than I think a lot of people expected them to. It's just a matter of, is it sustainable? I don't know if it is. I, you know, uh, Brian brings up a, a, a fantastic point, and I have talked about this on this show before, but he hits a nail on the head in, in a very small paragraph. Brian B. India, solid player, not a good second baseman. He's a terrible second baseman. Same for Steer down at third. Can hit. It looks like he might hit. Not a good third baseman. Stevenson is not an elite defensive catcher. And you don't know if he's going to be there at the long haul anyway. Barrero, to be determined. I agree. Um, Fraley, good hitter, bad outfielder. The rest are, 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 you know, according to Brian, role players. Um, and we've talked about, you know, what young players are going to get the chance first and come up. Look. The bullpen is going to change strictly because the, the, those guys are going to be half dead down there. And I don't say that tongue-in-cheek. Um, you've got Hunter Green can't pitch past five for two starts. We know how good both Ashcraft and Lodolo have been. Your four and five starters are lucky to get through four innings. So if you're having to cover three out of five days a week, if you're having to cover four and five innings, three days a week, three out of five days a week, the guys are going to be unable to pitch yeah. because you've used them too much. So the bullpen in, 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 in some form or fashion is going to change just out of necessity. Now, you know, they get Sims back. This has to go to the bullpen. But now what do you do with a four and five starts starter spots? They're not going to throw in the towel yet on Overton. They're going to wait on him a little bit. Sessa may be better served in the bullpen if Weaver comes back, when Weaver comes back. But Weaver is, I mean, we'll see. Um, but this is not a good defensive team. And here's my question, and I think Brian, again, points it out accurately. You've got three guys on your team that you figure to be a part of your core moving forward. That if you're ever going to get to a position where you really believe you can contend for a championship, 
you can't play those guys defensively where they're playing now every day. There is no way Indy is going to stay a second baseman. Steer, I don't know. I mean, you know, Encarnacion Strand, they say he's not a good third baseman. They're going to move him to first. Stevenson, they want to lighten the load. They're doing it already for him behind the plate to get him as a DH. Maybe next year as a first baseman when Votto is gone. I just, you know, I, I, the easy thing to do is say, yeah, they're competing. That's all true. Yes, they're playing better than they were last year. There's no doubt. They show some grit and some toughness. No doubt. But look, it's going to be fascinating to see where they play these young players when they bring them to the big leagues. I mean, I loved last night seeing Barrero a little bit in center field. I have always been a huge proponent of, look, if Chris Bryant can be Chris Bryant, why can't other guys who aren't as good as Chris Bryant be Chris Bryant? you go watch the Cubs in one week. You'd see Bryant one day at first, next day at third, next day in left, next day in right. Why can't more players do that? These guys are phenomenal athletes. Move them around. See what sticks. See, and, and see what where they're best suited to play. But when you start getting boxed in, and they're, you know, they're not there yet because India's only in his third year. He won the rookie of the year, and then last year was not very good. He played through some injuries. That's fine. He's off to a good start this year. But, but, but are they locked in on India forever to play second base? I sure hope not. Are you going to have the courage to move him or ask him to move? It shouldn't even be a debatable topic. And if you're looking down in the minor leagues, Joey Votto, Votto's one for his last 19. Don brings up a good point here. I was just getting ready to bring it up, and uh, I see it in the chat. He's struck out 20 times in his 38 plate appearances, and uh, he's had he has one hit since April 4th. Um, just not not a not a great stretch right now for Joey down in AAA. I know it's AAA, and I know he's he's you know. I know that's not – you can't read a ton into that, but it's not exactly like he's tearing the cover off the ball right away to start the year. And in fairness, Votto, who is always uh, quite open and honest about his assessment of himself, he said – you know, he, he was pushing it there at the end of spring training. He was starting to play regularly, but he never got the chance in back-to-back -back games to play a full nine innings. So he said, all right, look – I." Let's go down to the, the minor leagues and get in lots of work down there. Um, we, we've had people on this chat that have said they think Votto might retire. That ain't happening. He is not walking in the door and walking away from $25 million this year. That's not happening. And he, he is an uber competitive guy. He works his tail off. He has been a fantastic player here his whole career. He doesn't want to go out on last season's numbers. He was hurt. You admire him playing through it. Didn't talk about it. Didn't make excuses about it. But he clearly was hurt. His shoulder, triceps, biceps, that whole area, he couldn't do anything. He was a shadow of the guy who played well the year before. 
And they are going to bring him up sooner or later. It's Joey Votto. But, you know, you're going to sit down some guys who might be doing okay for you to bring up a guy who's, you know, 39, struggling. These are really hard decisions when you're inside of a baseball operations thing. Really hard decisions. Um, when you've got a guy who's meant to your franchise, and, and there have been other examples through the years, of when do we just say, okay, um, this is done. And I don't mean release him, but I'm just saying, you know, you, you might have to have a conversation with him uh, if his struggles continue at AAA, uh, and, uh, or, or maybe then they bring him up and his struggles continue at the big league level, that like, hey, you know, Joey, um, we got to think about this. I'm not going to count Votto out yet. And I don't think you guys are by suggesting that. No. Uh, he will keep playing, and he will give you uh, everything he has. Mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, he'll give you everything he's got. Okay. Um, are you boys ready to dive into the national basketball, or, or as your generation likes to call it, just the association? I'm ready if you are, Let's Tom. do it. Okay. Let's start with last night real quick. Oh. So we mentioned – uh, the Lakers win. They're in. So we're going to put up this, uh, if you have it, Paul, this, uh, I mean, Casey, uh, the graphic of where everything stands. Uh, the final, the number eight seed of the real playoffs is still TBD. Two games tonight. Winner of the game tonight will play the losers from last night. That'll take the next three days to determine. And then you're off and running uh, with the NBA playoffs. And we decided we were going to talk about the Western Conference. Now, we don't know who the eighth seed is, but whoever the eighth seed is in the West, they're going to have to face the number one seed, the team that's been the best team in the NBA this year, right? The Denver Nuggets. Last night's game between the Lakers and the Timberwolves was maybe the most disgusting basketball game in the NBA that I can remember watching. It was awful, but it was fun because it was awful. It was close. It ended up being close. The Lakers were down by as many as 15. They started to come back. They kind of scra they were scrappy. It was third quarter. They were still losing. Fourth quarter, they were still losing. Tied the game at 95. Lakers had the ball with uh, about 20 seconds left. And uh, <laughs> Lakers had the ball with 20 seconds left, Tom. They're inbounding from the sideline because now you can advance yeah. the ball and so they're inbounding from the sideline. LeBron waits, he waits, he waits. Drives. It's like the Jimmy Chitwood, except he didn't take the shot. He drives. All the attention comes on him. Everybody's assuming he's going to take the shot. Kicks it out. Dennis Schroeder in the corner. Nails down a three. Lakers up by three. One second. One and a half seconds left. Game's over. No. No. It's not. Timberwolves call timeout. Advance the ball to midcourt. Which is a great rule, by the Love way. Love that rule. I wish a college rule, I, a college game would adopt I that rule. I have been asking for that rule for so long in college basketball because what happens, in, and I'm not going to get on the soapbox, but what happens in college basketball is you get to this situation and then you get the home run pass at the end and it worked for Christian Leitner and it doesn't work for many other people. And Anybody. Yeah. Every once in a while you'll yeah, see something right. cool. But, I mean, it's – 
advance the ball. Advance the ball. It's much more exciting for the game. Anyway, T-Wolves advance the ball, kick to the corner. I mean, this shot had no chance of going in. Anthony Davis comes flying out at the shooter. One-tenth of a second left. Gets fouled on a three. Makes all three free throws. Go to overtime. Clutch. Clutch. And the first one looked awful. First one looked like it wasn't going in. Finally, uh, you know, kick out to the corner. And, uh, sorry, kick out to the corner, got fouled, made all three free throws. They ended up losing in overtime, but... I mean, it was it was just not a pretty game. There were turnovers. There was bad defensive effort. There was missed shots. There was bad I mean, there was a charge. How often do you see a charge called Never. in the NBA? Never. Carl Anthony Towns got a you know he's barreling down the lane. LeBron takes a charge. Not a great game, but it was kind of fun playing basketball. So now the T Wolves got to play again for their playoff lives, and uh, the Lakers are in. Okay, let, let, let's go ahead and put that graphic up again, and we're just going to pay attention to the left side because we're talking about the uh, Western Conference to begin things. Uh, any of those four series, and obviously the one with the top seed Denver TBD, um, any of those stand out to you that you say this is a must-watch series? Oh, yeah. Casey, let's start with you. For me, I, I hope I'm not stealing it. Stealing anyone's thunder. It's all right. To, I, have two, I have two games that I'm looking at here that I think are really, really. Oh, honestly, the whole West Side's very interesting. To me. A great star is in the West Side. Yeah. 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 West is always loaded. Yeah. But I, I'm gonna go with the Kings versus the Warriors yeah. here. The Kings having one of the most explosive offenses in the NBA this year. They play no defense, and let me tell you, it's Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Draymond Green, I mean, they're, they're going to win some ball games, and especially in the in the playoffs. So that's my one game that I'm really looking forward to seeing. I think there's going to be lots of lots of scoring. Um, yeah, I mean, the 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 Kings also just to kind of give a little tidbit of info. They finally broke their playoff drought. That's big news for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, they 2005, 2006, the last time the Sacramento Kings were in the playoffs. Yeah. And the two players that you really want to watch for, uh, Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox, uh, they have probably the best pick and roll offense right now in the NBA. And that's how they get a lot of their scoring. Um, they, they've also just, you know, like I said, they play no defense, which really would benefit the, the, the Warriors, the Warriors yeah. here. Um, and if you're going to give me an option between, you know, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson being able to outscore the Kings, I, I'll take that all day, every day. I think and, and that's also why I'm looking forward to it because the Warriors are not favored in this. They are underdogs. So th that's my matchup, at least for the NBA Right now, it's worth noting here that um, the top five seeds in the West, not one of those franchises has won a championship in the quote unquote modern era. Not one of them has won a championship. Memphis moved, you may remember, from Seattle. So going, you know, 
back a long time, the Seattle Supersonics won a championship. But when you look at the top seed, the top five seeded teams in the West, not one has championship history on its side. And you've got a load of titles from six on, right? Right. You got Golden State. That whole crew's won, what, three or four together, right? Yep. You got the Lakers, LeBron, all his titles. Um, so, you know, look, the other thing that stands out to me, Paul, before we get to your series is I, I'm, I'm amazed. And look, this, regardless of sport, you win a lot more home games than road games. But it's incredible how bad some of these really, really good teams in the West have struggled on the road. You got teams under 500 on the road. And then, of course, they go 33-7 and or something stupid at home, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be a big part of this. All right, Paul, what series for you, John? Well, I I had the same one. I'll also – uh, tag on the Suns and the Clippers. Yes. I think that has a lot of intrigue to it. But the Kings and the Warriors is probably the most intriguing series in the entire postseason. The Kings were plus 25,000 to win the Pacific Division in the preseason. Plus 25,000. So if you bet 100 bucks, you wanted 25,000 bucks. 25 Gs. Wow. That's incredible. And they won it. Get back to the postseason. Really, really special season for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, one of my really good friends from Xavier lives out in Sacramento. So uh, I'm kind of forced to follow them just by all the posting he does about the Kings on social media. So going through the season and watching what they were able to do throughout the year and to get to this point to make the postseason and to now be playing the Warriors. This, this has a chance to really be a way to solidify the success that they had this year to knock off the defending champions from last year who had flown under the radar. I think everybody could agree that the, the Warriors flew under the radar last year because people had been hurt. You look at what Clay Thompson had been through with his injury, had yep. played in like three years, and then all of a sudden the Warriors come back and they win another title. Now they're having to play the Kings, the three seed, and every team in the Pacific Division made the postseason for the first time ever. So this is a very talented division. It's a, a group of teams that have played each other a lot. And it's a Kings team that burst onto the scene this year that has, you know, DeMontis Sabonis, as you said, Darren Fox, uh, some talent on that team, clearly, to be able to win that division. And now they're going to have to go out there and try and – Throw something against the wall and see what sticks against a Warriors team that has done a whole lot of winning in the last seven years. whole lot of winning. And, and by the way, thank you for pointing out. I, I didn't realize that I had misspoke when I, I, I knew that Oklahoma City is where the Supersonics yes. used to play. I said Memphis. Please forgive me. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, you know, look. Most eyeballs are going to be by far in the opening round, I think it's safe to say. The most eyeballs are going to be on Memphis and the Lakers. Agreed. Right? Yeah. I mean, start with LeBron. You go for your guy, Morant. 
My guy? Both you guys. You're all about Ja Morant. What? And so, um, <laughs> look, all of the, uh, all of the uh, eyeballs are going to be on, on that series. The Lakers had the second best record in the NBA from the All-Star break on after they overhauled that roster. D'Angelo Russell has been insane. Russell's a hell of a player. I mean, I don't know what his deal is off the court or whatever. He's bounced around with a lot of different teams. He's been all over. Yeah, but, I mean, he can play now. Yeah. He can play. He can shoot it. Scorer is what he is. Scorer. Um, LeBron missed a lot of games. Mentioned he played in just 54 games. Seems like every year Anthony Davis is hurt, but now he's healthy. I think that's a series to watch because Memphis has had a great year. There's no doubt about it. They're exciting. They're young. They're fun to watch. Um, and then the other team, that team, not necessarily series, I, and I'm not suggesting they're going to blow through this series, is Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix is one of the, has one of the greatest fan bases, and I lived out there for over a dozen years. Their fan base out there is second to none. They fill that place up every night. Um, and, you know, look, they make the huge deal, without a doubt, the biggest deal there was in a league by bringing in Durant. He's been hurt a lot. The nine games he's played for them, they're undefeated. And they've got him, and they've got Paul, and they've got Booker. You know, that's a star-studded lineup. Yep. And for them to come rolling into this whole thing, what are they, a four? Yep. So that's a four or five. I don't know a lot about the Clippers. They're dealing with some injuries right now. That's what I thought. They, uh, I think, is it Paul George? Yes, Paul George is out. Yeah, Paul George is out. And they have Russell Westbrook, which – I'm not a, the biggest fan, but he's played a lot better yes, yes. with with being uh, being with the Clippers. But Kawhi Leonard as well. Um, as this is first time back, I think since the big injury. Phenomenal player. Um, oh yeah. Phenomenal. I, yeah, I mean, I. It'll be an interesting matchup, uh, the Suns versus the Clippers. But I mean, I, I have a lot of faith that the Suns are going to make a deep push. Uh, I think they get it done at least this first round. When people think Chris Paul, they think postseason success. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. First thing that comes to mind when I think Well, when Chris I think Paul, Chris Paul, it's every commercial that's on television, it seems like. <laughs> right? He's yeah. become the Aaron Rodgers of postseason, or of, of uh, it seems like, of commercials. State yeah. Farm. His uh, walking, uh, uh, competitive walking oh, skills. Yeah, yeah that's a good act. Whatever happened to his brother? His twin brother, Cliff? Whatever happened to Cliff Paul? I don't see those anymore. No, you don't. No. Um, all right, let's walk through who you think are going to win these series. All right. Okay. Okay? I'll they start up, up this weekend. Um, and we're all under the assumption, is it safe to say we're all picking, regardless of who they play, we're taking Denver? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm on that train. And if you're wondering, and I had to look it up, uh, every series in the postseason of the NBA is a best of seven. 
Yep. Right. This goes on, what, till the middle of June. It's basically another season. Yeah. The NBA playoffs are basically another season, the way that this goes. And then you get to the finals, and the finals take damn near a month. I feel like when you turn on the NBA finals, you watch game one, you could live an entire life, and then, oh, it's game seven. Yeah, what, what's, it's kind of like MLS. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Take a break. It's 411 <laughs> 20 or 4-11-23 is when they started this whole shindig. So let's see how <laughs> long. season? Yeah, let's just see how long we'll be talking about this, these NBA playoffs for how long. What do, what do our lives look like when one team is finally hosting the, uh, the trophy? trophy? Well, we know one thing that's going to change. Well, that be. Uh, are you kidding? Casey. Are you kidding? Brother. One major event is going to take place while these NBA playoffs are going on. Sports related? What, what are we talking about? Oh, my here? God, Tom. Oh, my God. Casey, oh, did, oh, did you, did you oh, send out oh, wedding oh, invitations? Oh Casey. I got it. I got it. It took me a minute. My wedding. Yeah, that'll happen. Uh, I'm sure that Alex is going to be thrilled. Thrilled. In fact, that might be the same night as game one of the NBA Finals. I don't know. It, it, I'm pretty sure it is. It, it's, it's close if it's the not. The NBA Finals, to back up your point, Paul, if they go seven games, if it goes seven games, the NBA Finals start on June the 1st. June 1st, yeah. Game one. Yeah. Game seven. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Would be June the 18th. <laughs> Golly. That is laughable. That is laugh out loud funny. 17 days. Tell you what, though. Those guys will be tired. Oh, yeah. I'm not denying that, but 17 days. All right. Let's go back. Incredible. Casey, you might want to clean that up when you get home today. I don't know if yeah. Alexandria is watching today. She hadn't been watching, I don't think, much lately. But good Lord. Paul and I have to remind you you're getting married. <laughs> Everybody's killing you on the chat. Everybody. The player formerly known as Mouse Cop, Everett. Wedding line down to minus two hundo. <laughs> Casey will be in the chat on his honeymoon. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Casey pop up here. True, true. The real might, spirit might cat had it. the best line of all. He said, if Casey says the NFL draft, I'll fall out. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I, all right, real quick, let's walk through these. We're getting down to the final five minutes of the program, and we have box lunch coming up. All right, Suns v. Clips. Who are you taking? I'm taking the Phoenix Suns. Paul? Yep, taking the Suns. All right, so then you'd have the Suns v. Denver next round. All right, Kings, Warriors. Paul? Taking the Warriors. Yeah, I'm taking the Warriors, too. I can't bet against. I am, too. Yeah. Grizzlies v. Lakers. Oh, that's the tough one. I'm taking the Lakers. Taking the Grizzlies. Ooh, uh, I, I got to go with Lakers, man. Uh, I just, yeah, I can't. Okay, so the only of the four uh, opening rounds of the four series, we agree on everything 
across the board except for, uh, Paul, you're taking the Grizzlies. Yep. Okay. We're going to stop it there because, you know, look, we'll see if all of us were predicting that Denver will play Phoenix. We're predicting that the Warriors will play. Casey and I have the Lakers. Paul has the Grizzlies. Yep. Okay. Tomorrow, we will walk through the Eastern Conference. Okay? We will walk through the East. Milwaukee, the one seed. Boston, the two seed. Those two teams, along with Philadelphia, have clearly been the best three teams in the East. But a lot of people are saying don't sleep on Cleveland. Another team is back in the playoffs for the first time in a long time. All right, do we have um, do we have a cherry on top presented by United Dairy uh-huh. Farmers before we get to boxed lunch? Uh, Hold on, let me see if I. No, I don't think so. No. No. We do not. We have. have we will have one tomorrow. I promise you, Tom. We'll have a cherry on yeah, top. Yeah, you're not bothering me at all. Um, a lot of people just, uh, you know, disappointed. No, they're 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 more disappointed in Casey for us having to remind him that over the course of the NBA Finals, there was going to be one major change in life after he brought up, boy, think about the changes in your life. Huh. And you have no idea what kind of I change was, that is. I was point. dialed in. You have in. no idea. I was dialed in to you know, sports talk. I always say I never knew what a complete jerk I was until I got married. And then you find out you're a big league jerk. Reed Mouse! Tom, how's it going? You haven't been married very long. I've been married for a year and a half. Okay. A year and a half. Now, have you gone from being just a a wonderful, lovable, adorable, kind, nice, compassionate, empathetic, sympathetic figure to being none of the above? I, my life hasn't, hadn't changed a whole lot. Since okay. Year and a half still like a newlywed. Well, no, me and Mariana dated for eight years before we got married. We okay. High school sweethearts. So not a, not a whole lot changed. I do find myself getting grumpier as I, as I go on. And I don't know if that's age. I don't know if it's you or months. her getting grumpier. I'm getting grumpier. I know. You, well, that is, that, I mean, me. that is a, a bedrock of growing older. I know. I didn't know if that was because I got married or if I just me me growing up or getting older. I don't know. Okay. Turn turn twenty seven next month, Tom. It's oh boy, midlife crisis coming yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, twenty seven. All right, what do you got coming up on the um, on box lunch? Uh, we're gonna talk some Reds, but I have a, a proposition. You know what? I was gonna extend it to Paul, but Tom, what are you doing Father's Day weekend? Mm. What am I doing Father's Day weekend? Yeah, you got I have I have no clue. I don't even know when it is. Is it in May? It's in June. June, It's in June. Mother's Day is in May. Yes. When was the last time you played golf? I know you said you... you, you, I played down in the Dominican. You did. You played. So you're back. You're back on... No, I'm not back. But like I said before, I played enough as a younger man where I could at least get around. And, uh, you know, so I I said to Luke, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to be down here and give you a tail kicking. And I got beat by one. Got beat by one? I hit it pretty good. All right, so let me let me extend this proposition. Luke obviously is a is a high school golfer. Yep. You, you swing the chicken sticks pretty well yourself. Let's 
get a, let's get Chatterbox. You, me, Paul, Trace, Spur, anyone that plays golf. The Hamilton City Championship. Here, Ooh. right here, in the city of Sculpture. Two-day event. You play the two city courses. They put you, you play your first round, and then they put you in your flight. Let's let's all get in. I'm be all a, in. Be a bonding experience for you and Luke. See when, who finishes better in the tournament of Father's Day. So two-man teams, you're saying? No, it is. It is mano y mano. All planned for yourself. All planned to hoist hoist the title at the end of the, the whole thing, amongst other Hamiltonians. True common man. Well, we've established really how far that goes around here. Casey and I are the very quintessential definition. And Trace, uh, you and Paul, I don't know. I'm all in on that. I love that idea. You and I still have a big uh, swimming date. We do. You free this afternoon? You just want to go ahead and cross the Not going the today. I got uh, to get back in fighting shape for that. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll but you're telling me it's deep enough where we're going to do it where you can swim across and not be hitting the bottom. I, I have not scoped out the water, I, I assume. I assume. Because a little Miami, it's too shallow. Well, yeah, it's little. Well, this is great. Okay. This, this Miami yeah, is I know. Great. It's a big one. Yeah, okay. it's a big one. All right. <laughs> All right tomorrow, we're going to uh, really get into some more football, too, by the way, which we did not do maybe for the first time ever today. Yeah. yeah. We didn't do that? it. We're going to have a couple of guests joining us tomorrow and Friday to walk through different teams around the NFL. We'll talk to Colts. Broncos, Bengals, among others, uh, coming up over the next couple of days. Jaguars. Uh, so uh, that'll be part of the program next couple of days. Tracy Jones back tomorrow. NBA playoffs continue tonight. Reds play tonight. So, uh, Case, thank you. Paul, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Is thank Trace you. coming in here for this? He's not. Trace is off the program for the time being. He's going to – he's focusing more on Chatterbox Reds. So, box lunch is – Okay. Is All right. You're on, Paul, today, box lunch. We're all on today. All right. Here we go. Box lunch. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow.